All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're here recording Monday uh, after a nice little uh, week off here from uh, from work and everything. We had we got a chance to get together, which is kind of nice, too. But uh, we're here recording Monday for our Wednesday, April 19th episode, uh, episode number 85. And uh, we have the NFL draft here coming up in a little over a week's time here. So um, we're going to start kind of getting into a little bit more of the, uh, and we did a deep dive last episode of the uh, upcoming NFL prospects. So we're going to kind of put them in some situations and start doing a little bit of comparing, contrasting uh, a little bit of, uh, I think last we called it this or that, but we're looking at uh, some prospects versus vets. But before we get into the episode here, we'll say hello to the fellas and see how they're all doing and how the break treated them. Uh, we'll start things off with, uh, with Armand. Armand, um, Break was good. Family's good. How's things going? That's how it's going. Oh, sir, I wasn't paying attention. Oh, I cracked a can on on the mic there. So busy, busy Monday. Yeah, <laughs> busy Monday. It's uh, it's a busy week in the Schellenberg household. Kylie and I are both running all over the place. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's gonna be busy, but we're gonna have a lot of fun doing it, and uh. Our kids are getting more and more busy every day. Little, littlest one here is just a ball full of energy now. She, uh, she's finally starting to show a little bit more in interaction with people, and just it's crazy. That's wild. She grows up quick, eh? Yeah, it's wild. It goes by so fast. You wouldn't believe it. You won't believe it, Jordan. <laughs> That's a good point, Zach. How about you? I know you got a big trip coming up here in the next couple of days. Yeah, today was a, a great day. Uh, first time riding the bike to work this year. So that was nice to realize how out of shape I am. So <laughs> nice reality check. Yeah, during the club. <laughs> how long is that bike ride for you there, Zach? Uh, today it was just north of 30 minutes. Uh, usually it's about, I don't know, 26, 27 Oh, so you're really out of shape there. You got to cut a few, almost 10 minutes down. Oh, it's like four minutes, 27 to like 31. You know what? Maybe if we didn't have that extra plate of wings at Armin's house there on the week, maybe you'd have a couple minutes to spare. Yeah, I had to, had to stop about halfway and just suck back some water. <laughs> I was thinking about riding my bike to work because like the rotary trail goes right from my house all the way to work. But, like, that's a hefty bike ride. Like, that's point A of the city to point B. Like, we both, I guess it would probably be equivalent to Zach's or be about a 35-minute bike ride. But then trying to put on a shirt and tie after is pretty much <laughs> not an ideal, <laughs> ideal situation. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with you there, Armin. Things are busy here. Had a real crazy week. I was refing the Sens Cup, and we had uh, junior, junior lacrosse trials for my lacrosse team. So, I had a really busy weekend. Obviously, we got to get together, which was nice, and visit with with you two and a couple other guys and talk shop a little bit, which is nice. But um, by the time this episode drops, my wife will be under ten days away from our from our due date. So, you know, things are things are moving quick here in the carrier household, and just about pretty much any minute here, we could be making a a trek to the old hospital. So, I imagine <laughs> things things feel busy now, but I can only imagine how much more busy things are going to feel in the next couple of weeks. So. So I'll, I'll, I'll relish in the opportunity to talk some football here because it might be few and far between the next couple of weeks. But uh, we'll get things going here on our 22 fresh quick question of the week. Uh, and this one's just kind of a fun one, uh, just a chance for us to talk a little bit about uh, football and fantasy football and kind of, I guess, how we got into football a little bit. So the first question we have today is, who was the first player you ever drafted? And uh, we'll start this one off with Armand. Uh, Armin, I guess I, I, we all kind of went from a redraft perspective because I can't imagine any of us dove right into a dynasty league over redraft. But <laughs> who was the who was the first player you ever drafted, Armin? My first ever draft was in that six man league that I'm in, and I had just read an article about how fantasy football is moving away from the RB and the new trendy thing is, and the new top point getter is the wide receiver. So I went in and I was, I'm drafting a wide receiver in the first round of this standard um, points uh, fantasy league with only six guys in it. So I drafted OBJ um, in 2017. So not a bad pick. Um, he put up a lot of points, but um, by the, I'd went, I think I went back to back wide receiver um, so six overall, I had the turn in that six-man league. And by the time it came back to me in the third round, 
where I was like, yeah, there's 30 teams, so there's 30 starting running backs. Because first time ever drafting, uh, there wasn't many quality running backs left. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, what about yourself there, Zach? So, been playing fantasy a little bit longer than Armand. It sounds like uh, the first <laughs> the first draft that I can recall was uh, it's probably grade ten would have been with uh, guys from the the junior football team at high school, uh, and I drafted Frank Gore. I uh, don't know what pick he was in the first round, but regardless, Frank Gore, whose uh, son's now in college, and I think he's draft eligible next year, so it's been a while. Um, don't know how he did or, or how that team went, but uh, still proud of that team name. It was a shob on my knob, and uh, <laughs> it's a timeless, timeless name. <laughs> oh, that's outstanding uh you know what i'm gonna take a quick pit stop here but uh i'm a guy that when i have my team names and i have like pretty much the same team name every year like it's something to do with either my name or some innuendo to do with my name but zach you have a new name for every team in every league and it all has something to do with like your like your uh players and some sort of funny innuendo and oh man you've you've got some classics I'm, i'm thinking one day we'll have to have a segment of just like funny uh like funny team names that Zach has had. And Armin, you've had some real creative ones too, but Zach, Zach's got the one with the dirty mind in the background, the good old innuendos. And yeah, that's one, you know what? I actually kind of forgot about that one. So I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I always struggle putting the dirty ones out there. So I, I, I'm not as brave as Zach. I'll say that. <laughs> when when you're drafting in my a, mind, they're in my mind, but I don't use them. When you're drafting a team that has to go, that has to go before ADP and everything else in team need. Where Where's the best team name? Boy, <laughs> that one you had, you had an unreal team and an unreal name. It was like two two girlies, one cop, but your team was outstanding and the name was good. It's... Yeah, I had both Todd Gurley and Cooper Cup, so that one that one was dynamite. Um, My first one, I think, was in 2013 because I was in university and the 2012-year draft obviously would have been <clears> – <throat> It was either 2012 or 2013. I can't remember, but uh, I ended up drafting. And, and you know, it's funny because you're thinking, "Oh, it's a homer pick." But like, to come full circle, uh, I took Calvin Johnson in the first round, and uh, I was not an NFL guy. Like, I watched a little bit. Definitely watched a lot of CFL um, growing up and and whatnot. But uh, I didn't have an NFL team, so I was trying to figure out who to draft and what drafting was about and who I need to draft and how many guys, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and one of the questions that the guys like, well draft you know players from the team you like so well I don't even know what team I like like how how did you pick and we kind of got in that story and I decided you know the hell with it I'm gonna pick the team I'm gonna cheer for is gonna be of the player whatever I draft in the first round and kind of going along going along and all of a sudden I had my decision and the powder blue Detroit Lion jerseys and the and the nickname of Megatron was who I picked and that's how I became a Detroit Lions fan so my very first (laughs) was in 2012 2013 he had his career year in 2012, um, so I'm thinking it must have been the 2013 season because the 2011 season was, like, very mediocre, so I don't think he would have been a first-round pick. But his 2012 season was outstanding, and his 2013 season was still very, very good. So I'll uh, come full circle. That's kind of where it was. But, it's you know, we're talking about this, and actually I remember my first dynasty picks too. Like I became uh, – my first dynasty league, uh, I joined as, like um, like, an orphan league. And it was with JB and I had the 101, the 102, and then the 201. And I took Leonard Fournette 101, Corey Davis 102, and then Samaje Pirine 201. And wow, that one sucked. Cause I looked out of some of the names that went after him. And for some reason that Samaje Pirine pick just burns me still burns me worse than that Corey Davis 102 pick, I think. Cause I, I flipped Davis later on when he sucked, but that Samaje Pirine pick still burns me. But <laughs> all those things stick with you um moving into a little bit of insiders and headliners here not a whole lot to talk about so i'll just quickly hit the drop and we'll uh we'll get things moving i've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story i'm ron burgundy
we had a big one today. I'll talk about that one first. The second one, um, the second deal we're going to talk about happened about, I don't know, like a day or two after we dropped our last recording. But uh, the first one, the big one happened today as we're recording on the Monday. I uh, was Jalen Hurts' big extension, and that was with the Eagles. Uh, and it's going to hold him down for five years, $255 million, So a nice big contract and $179 million of that fully guaranteed. Um, so there's three quarterbacks that were, you know, or four, I guess, that were kind of chasing a contract extension this year, one being Lamar Jackson, two being Jalen Hurts, and then we also have Joe Burrow and, um, oh, my goodness, um, from the Chargers, name escaped me here. Bail me out. Uh, Herbert? Yes, thank you. Justin Herbert uh, are all quarterbacks right now. They're currently chasing uh, either a contract extension or, or a new contract, obviously, um, from uh, Lamar Jackson. But a uh, big contract. This one kind of seems, you know, inevitable. They talk about how they're trying to find a common ground and a, and a deal was going to come. Led the team to the Super Bowl. Um, kind of had, a you know, a weirder career path than most of the in the back of the mind, a lot of fantasy managers, a lot of people in the organization or people around football kept thinking, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to lose his starting job, lose his starting job. There's a draft capital to replace him. Uh, he proved a lot of people wrong, kind of following that uh, rushing platform trajectory with uh, adding the ability to throw the football as well, too. So uh, awesome for Jalen Hurts. But I guess really in a in a grand scheme of things, all this does is add a little more stability to uh, to Jalen Hurts' uh, dynasty value. Hey, Zach, or do you have anywhere else you want to go with this one? Uh, no, I think, uh, I think like most of these young guys, once they get signed long-term, that's kind of, uh, the best news because you would hate for a situation like Lamar right now, where there is that uncertainty as a dynasty manager, not knowing where he might end up. Yeah. You could have traded uh, Lamar to me there, Zach, but, uh, <laughs> I would Daniel Jones instead. So there you go. Um, and, and then, uh, the second deal, this, like I said, this one happened, seemed like days after we dropped our last recording. So it might seem like it's outdated news at this point, but it's the first opportunity that we've, we've had to talk about on the podcast and Odell Beckham jr. Had been trying to find a contract. What seems like for almost a, a full year now of, Oh, he's going to go to the Cowboys. Oh no, no. The giants are super interested in him. Oh, the Cowboys are interested in him again. Then nobody signs. Oh no, maybe he's going back to the Rams. He signed the one-year, $18 million deal with the Ravens. And um, there's the internet's a funny place, man. If you go on there, you, you're going to find everything you need to know about this deal and then some. Like, obviously, there is a connection that um, Lamar was trying to bring OBJ in, and that was kind of part of the agreement was that, you know, that he was pursuing a big time, so OBJ signs and Lamar. Like, it was, the internet, man, if you go down there, it's like some people think there's a big ruse that Lamar is trying to, like, sewer the Ravens, sign this big ticket one-year deal, and Lamar is like, see you later, like, trying to – it's it's uh, – if you go on Twitter, you're going to find some funny stuff. But uh, one-year deal, $18 million for a guy that hasn't played in, in one full season, uh, has just – it has we haven't seen him off the ACL injury yet since uh, when he tore his ACL in, in the Super Bowl with, with the Rams. But uh, Armin, this one – what is he now? I think he's 31 years old. Haven't really seen much, you know, explosiveness other than some some games here and there from him. But uh, even even tracing back to his New York Giants days. But um, is this one where it's kind of be if you're an OBJ owner, and you know, lots of owners are maybe trying to sell high on the hype, but the hype is kind of fizzled at this point. Uh, tracing back to what Zach had mentioned about the Lamar Jackson kind of standoff at this point. But are you in a like a sell, hold, or buy situation? in dynasty with obj right now i i think this is your last opportunity to sell him if you're gonna sell him so i'd be sell um even though there's that that shadowiness you you sell him to like a guy for a one-year rental kind of thing to push him over the edge for a championship or a little bit of insurance just in case there's an entry if he's a if he's a guy that's competing for it because um, like you said, he's 31 years old. He's losing the the step he once had. Um, and it's a one-year deal as well. So who knows what's going to happen after this year even. Um, so if you're a competitor, maybe you keep him just to have that reassurance that he's there on your roster. But if you're not in a win-now mode or even like top three in your league kind of thing, I'd be just trying to sell him, get a few assets out of him. Because after this year you won't even be able to sell him for for like a third or fourth round pick, I bet, in a year's time. I heard, um, I don't know if maybe if you guys agree with this or not, but I heard an interesting take on a podcast the other day, and it was talking about the same thing. The hype is kind of getting out of control with OBJ, and everybody's trying to sell high or whatever. 
But basically, they're like, well, what do you do? Where do you put OBJ? I haven't seen him. And the comparison was, at best, where do you have Bateman's slotted before this trade? Then you could probably put OBJ in that spot. Because really, like, OBJ is going to probably surpass, in my opinion, will surpass Bateman. Uh, we haven't seen much from Bateman. He's been, uh, I, I'd say, a disappointment uh, from the past couple of years and the expectations that was placed on him. Um, going into the season, though, you imagine the two of them are most likely going to eat into each other a little bit. And we don't, like you said, we don't have the situation with Lamar. Imagine if Lamar doesn't sign, holds out, or is traded, and we're sitting there with it's Tyler Huntley or or whatever the Snoop Hunt, whatever the hell is his name is. He's a starting quarterback, and you're trying to get these at random targets. Like it's it could get a lot worse before I think it could get a lot better for for OBJ owners. But regardless, for OBJ who hasn't played football in, in a while, the eighteen million dollar deal is pretty good. Seeing. Look at what the contracts Juju signed. You know? Like the there, that's a substantial more money than than a guy like uh, the Juju was chasing. So something something interesting to think about. I don't I don't know about Dynasty. I think it's a little bit different. But redraft, I think that name is going to get thrown around a lot more off this this one year deal coming into the redraft redraft world in in two months time. Um, moving into our segments of the episode here. Uh, before we do so, uh, I'm going to thank our episode sponsor this this week is uh, Bolt Supply House. Uh, we talked about them the last couple weeks, or I think it was three episodes ago. Um, thanking them obviously for their involvement in in a lot of our work, the the charity events and whatnot. They're always one of the first to jump up and and help out with the with gifts or prizes or anything of that sort to help out with our charity charity events. So uh, Bolt Supply House, obviously, spring cleanings around the corner. Uh, the snow is melting. the The weather is getting nice, and and we're gonna start doing those, the you know those those to do lists outside, and start getting some stuff ready to go for for spring and summer. Whether that be you know building some furniture outside for around the fire pits, or or doing some spring cleaning and some uh, some needed to do renovations coming into the summer, whatever that might be. Uh, Bolt Supply House is should be your first destination if you're in Prince Albert. There's also Bolt Supply House in Saskatoon too. If you're listening there, um, and you know they have more than just bolts and nuts. They have uh, we talked about the last episode, the the brand new lawnmower they have out. Uh, I haven't got it myself, but I know people that have it and they're eager to use it. I've got the whipper snipper, the the, the leaf blower, the all of the above. It's uh, you can't beat it. So find your way down to either Bolt's Bly House here in Prince Albert or Bolt's Bly House in Saskatoon and get what you need for this upcoming spring season and summertime um, chores and jobs around the house. Um, so this one, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, we're going to do some rookies versus vets. So we did a little bit of this last year, but we focused more on like the draft pick. So example, last year was like 107 versus this player. And then we kind of hodgepodge like what that rookie pick could look like. Uh, but for this one, we're just going to talk about the rookie prospect themselves and possibly like a landing spot they might be in versus a current NFL player, a uh, veteran, or, you know, a couple of years into their career. And then we're just going to, you know, argue maybe which side of the fence we're on and, and why. And, and we're not going to go from, oh, if you're win now or if you're rebuilding, because that's going to, you know, be where the rubber hits the mode and you're going to you're going to go down one fork or the other. This is going to be, you know, in a vacuum. Who do you like better, A or B? Not I'm rebuilding. I'm trying to win. I just who would you take right now? You're in a dynasty startup. Those two are side by side. Who would you take? That's kind of the uh, the perspective we're going here. So why don't you uh, why don't you start us off, Zach? Sure thing. So I did uh, my first one as Jackson Smith Najigba versus Debo Samuel. Right now on keeptradecut.com, uh, they have Debo Samuel listed as their wide receiver 20. Um, Debo is, I believe, 27 years old uh, compared to Jackson Smith Najigba, who is entering this year uh this year's draft of course um and for this exercise i proposed that jackson smith and the jigba end up with the houston texans with the 12th overall pick in next week's draft you start this one armin i'm super curious on where you're going hmm i i don't love that landing spot actually although he'd be the clear-cut number one guy there um 
I think I'll stick with Jackson Smith and Enigma. I was going to do it regard or before you said the landing spot and then you said the landing spot and I made it a little bit more difficult for me. But uh, hearing kind of like the, the talk about him being, um, he was the guy in that trio of uh, Wilson and uh, Olave and, and him in Ohio State that one year. And I, I think I got to go with him. With he's, he's an alpha receiver. And Debo still scares me. He didn't get healthy until last year. He find, or the year before last, he had a really good year. And then last year, he was injured again a whole bunch. Um, so just that injury history of Debo scares me. So I'm thinking Jackson. What was the landing spot again? I missed that while I was kind of doing my clicking. The Houston Texans at uh, 112, or like uh, 12 overall in the first round. Been a really common landing spot. Um, so <laughs> there's two parts to this puzzle on why I either really like the Houston landing spot or I really don't. And I guess, you know, it's, I guess it, it doesn't matter. It's just kind of what's going on in my head is who's the quarterback. Because if it's CJ Stroud that gets taken 102 and you're with your collegiate quarterback going into a, you know, an NFL program with that, with that comparison between the two of them, that's like a, a really, really unique situation. We, we've seen with Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase with, with that success, right? And I, I think that would be really, really cool. Uh, I'm leaning, excuse me, I'm leaning JSN as well too, uh, just in a sense of he has such a high floor. Um, I think right now, in my opinion, uh, I would say he has the higher floor, but the ceiling uh, is still going to go towards Debo Samuel. We've seen that massive, massive production. Uh, we've seen him be able to do it on the ground, do it in the air. So I think Debo's, ceiling is a lot higher but i think jsn's floor is a lot higher so it's kind of like what are you going for but we don't know what jsn's ceiling is yet like we the, the, right now it's it's rookie mania so the the, the <laughs> limit at this point right like you could say whatever you want and say how good he's gonna be but i just think that because he's such a good receiver in all in all facets of his abilities i think his floor is so intriguing and that's somebody that i'd be interested to pursue like i said especially if it's CJ Stroud as his quarterback, I think that's going to be uh, a really, really cool thing to pursue. So um, I, I'm leaning JSN in this one too. Is that where you're going, Zach? <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. I was really surprised when I saw how Keep Trade Cut has them slated in there in the rankings. Right now, they have JSN as wide receiver 13, so so seven spots ahead of Samuel. Uh, the players in between the two of them are are probably the best receivers right now in the game, like uh, Tyreek, Diggs, uh, Cup, Adams. But that age, I think, is a factor for for all those guys. Um, so I think if you give me Debo Samuel last year, I'm taking JSN. If you give me Debo Samuel from two years ago, only a fool would, would not take Samuel. So um, <laughs> I think that was kind of the – that was the outlier for what Samuel is, so I'd probably take JSN. Yeah, so I think we're all in the, kind of in the same boat there. Um, I'm going to start this next one, and I'm going to go in the quarterback position. And It's actually funny. I was just talking about CJ Stroud, and uh, we're talking about the same teams here, just about, um, well, possibly, I guess it depends where he gets drafted. So, uh, But in my scenario, I have CJ Stroud going 101, and he is going to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, so CJ Stroud versus Trey Lance, uh, quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. And this one's interesting because CJ Stroud is an unproven rookie in the NFL and Trey Lance is an unproven veteran in the NFL. Um, you know, Trey Lance was the the darling breakout candidates of this upcoming season with San Francisco. And now there is a ton of uncertainty. Obviously Jimmy Garoppolo left, but now with the emergence of Brock pretty late in the season, and Trey Lance's uh, injury recovery here, there is a lot of, and, and going back to the, the memes of, you know, uh, how's, uh, how's Trey Lance doing? Uh, yeah, scratching his head, you know, the, the memes from Seinfeld. But um, this, one's, this one I thought was really, really intriguing. Uh, I have to go back here, sorry, to find the, where they're at in Dynasty Startup here. Um, currently right now, we have CJ Stroud is the quarterback 12 in startup and then we have trey lance at quarterback 21 in startup so uh, there is a substantial gap between the two 
Uh, but it's a little bit of a curiosity of where does the, when the rubber hits the road, what are you trying to pursue in a dynasty quarterback? So I uh, will start this one off with uh, Zach, which of the two would you rather pursue on your dynasty team? Yeah, I think regardless of what site you use, um, that that separation, that difference between the two um, exists uh, between Stroud and Lance. Um, so I, I think I got to go with with Stroud um, over Lance here. We we have seen that that Lance has, or we believe that he has the physical tools to be a very exciting NFL and a very exciting uh, fantasy quarterback, but. CJ Stroud to me at least looks like um the quarterbacks that while maybe not super exciting like uh for fantasy they still really produce they don't have that rushing upside of a Murray of a Hertz Jackson or of a Lance but guys like Prescott guys like Burrow these are the guys that they they win with their arm and they still produce really well so I would take probably the the safety on the floor of Stroud over the possible upside, but the the real unknown of Trey Lance. Like there's there's a real possibility that in four months we're looking at Brock Purdy over over Trey Lance. So yeah, for sure. uh, I take CJ Stroud. Oh, sorry, there's Zach. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, Armin, where uh, where are you going with that uh, comparison? I'm very similar to Zach in this, in that like also like they have come out and like it could be coach speak, but they've said that Brock Purdy has kind of earned the right to be the starter coming into next season. Now who knows what happens during training camp and exhibition games and stuff, but um, whoever drafts CJ Stroud is probably drafting him to be their starter day one. Um, I'd say almost Stroud is more pro ready than, than Lance was last year at the beginning of the year after having his rookie season to sit on the bench and watch and try to become more pro ready. So I'm going to go with the guy that, that, yeah, he, he seems more pro ready. He seems like he's more for sure, um, hit at the NFL quarterback position and should have a long career. Whereas Lance kind of like what we talked about with, uh, uh, the uh what's his name the super athletic qb this year anthony richardson um he he might fizzle out in the next few years here so i'm i'm taking that safety of stroud and like zach said those burrows and those prescotts they have a little bit of a rushing platform they're not like that's not their main tool they win with their arms but they can still put up like 40 points in one game i i have burrow and dynasty and I mean, that's been pretty huge for me on a few few weeks where Burrow puts up big numbers consistently. So uh, I'll take Stroud. This, this one was hard for me, even though there was a tear gap because I'm really intrigued of having Trey Lance on a lot of my teams this upcoming year, especially in best ball. Like it's it's not far from best ball season here. Like we jump on the best ball train definitely uh, in the middle of summer there as it as the you know, the news and the draft is over and the news starts coming in that, that dull time of summer. Uh, that's best ball season for me. And Trey Lance right now with this ADP, he could be a steal and a league winner in, in a best ball format. And it is a high risk, high reward, obviously. Um, but uh, I, I think this this one, I, I agree with you guys. There's a lot. It's, it's comparable to do you want the safety or do you want the upside? And I still think that Stroud has a lot of upside capable to him but not the upside that, uh, that a Trey Lance has. So I leaned Trey Lance in this one, but uh, it was definitely by, by a hair of margin uh, myself. So uh, Armin, who's your first comparison you got coming up here? All right. So I got uh, Jamar Gibbs and I'm saying uh, I like the fit to the Rams for him. Um, just the style of play he has with his receiving ability, but then his twitchy ability I think he'd really work well in the Rams system um, versus Kenneth Walker, the third, a guy that I am extremely high on. Um, so I, I was interested to see what you guys would say about that. Not that I have any um, knowledge that uh, Jamar Gibbs is going to go to the Rams or anything. I just think it's a good fit. Oh, you want us to go first there, Zach? Sure. Um, and do you guys want their current one's... dynasty rankings? Sorry about that. Current dynasty That's ranking, right, Kenneth boy. Walker is third, and Jamar Gibbs is ninth. Yeah, for me, this one's not 
not even as close as that three to nine uh, gap. Um, I think Kenneth Walker is one of the few running backs that right now, as of today, we can say with some confidence is going to be a near every down running back in the offense, provided he he comes back uh, and he's healthy. Um, but then, like, watched I've watched a few Alabama games um, last season, and I've read quite a bit about Gibbs, and everything that I've seen and everything that I've read kind of leans to uh, the idea that he's going to be more of a of a satellite back uh, and not a, a three-down player, uh, a, a running back that's going to be impactful in the running game and through the air, but he's not going to be the kind of guy that's going to be getting 20, 25 touches per game. So give me that, uh, give me that kind of production from a guy like Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I rinse and repeat what Zach said. <laughs> like, I think about it like this. Even though it's super intriguing that he would land with the Rams and we've seen what Stafford is capable of doing with a receiving back, it's, to me, in Dynasty, if you offer me right now the 102 for Kenneth Walker or even the 103 for Kenneth Walker or what, you know what I mean? Like, I'm smashing Kenneth Walker because Jamar, like, he, what is he going to be? Maybe the 102... 103 probably at the latest he probably 104 with the rams landing spot it might drive him up a little bit to that 102 depending on the jsn you know where he lands but if somebody offered me 103 or if somebody offered me kenneth walker for the 103 i'd be smash that accept button so that's kind of where, where i'm at here and i'm a huge kenneth walker fan so i think he, even though he doesn't have that receiving platform um that uh, jameer gibbs obviously has he has that that <laughs> strong nose rushing ability and and he's he is going to there's a there's a high chance that he leads the league in rushing touchdowns this upcoming season just just on what we've seen from his his uh, young career. So I think that's an easy one too. I'm with you on Zach. Man, I I am so high on Kenneth Walker. I was surprised that you guys are are pretty much as high on him as I am. That's that's why I put Gibbs there. I was like, ah, I'm not. I'm high on Kenneth Walker. This gap is is maybe closer than I, I think when I talk to other people. But yeah, I'm right with you guys. Um, with that, Kenneth Walker, he's so dynamic. He's fast. He's twitchy, but he can also get the tough yards and and slam it up the gut a little bit. Whereas Gibbs can't really do that, right? He's more of an outside runner and uh and and a receiving back. But I am really intrigued if the, if the Rams happen, I would. I'd be I'd be putting Gibbs above Charbonnet, which if you listened to last last uh week last episode we had, I I like Charbonnet a lot. So um but that Rams landing spot would uh definitely push him up pretty high for me in, in the draft at least. Let's not get carried away here. We don't know Charbonnet's landing spot yet either, Armin. So let's not get carried away here. I'll wait till you, you hear <laughs> my next one here. <laughs> okay. So Zach, do you want to uh share your next one? Yeah, you bet. So uh, last week we talked a little bit about uh, Quentin Johnston and how he might be one of the bigger boomer bust prospects uh, in this rookie class. So for my second uh, rookie versus vet, I am squaring off Quentin Johnson, Johnston versus Calvin Ridley. And for this uh, question, I have Johnston going to the Kansas City Chiefs with the last pick of the first round uh, right now, keep trade cut has Johnston and Ridley uh, ranked as uh, one after the other. They have Ridley as wide receiver 34 and Johnston as wide receiver 35 uh, right now. Ridley is 28. Uh, so he's a little bit of an older receiver, I suppose. Um, but I think the biggest thing with Ridley is we haven't seen what he can do in the past year and a half. Yeah. So I'm looking at like another one of my dynasty startup platforms too. And this one, like I have a couple lined up here. The one is relatively close to yours. There's a bit, bit of a bigger gap. Another one I'm looking at has like a monstrous gap where he has him as like wide receiver 59. So <laughs> astronomical gap. Uh, and even if it was this astronomical gap, I'm still picking Calvin Ridley. Um, I, I, we talked about before, there's 
there's boomer busts and lots of times we have this you know idea in our mind of what we want these wide receivers to turn out to and lots of times we want them to turn out to be the receivers that we already have or that we you know the more and more times than not they're this mediocre or medium to above average wide receiver and not this justin jefferson receiver that we're always trying to draft and we've seen calvin ridley do it and his situation is really really good coming up with a an up and coming and and budding superstar uh trevor lawrence so uh in this situation i think it's for me it's pretty easy i'll be going calvin ridley uh depending on whatever that draft position whether it's the 104 you're trying to get uh quentin johnson it's the 111 you're trying to you know what i mean there's a wide range of where he might go in the rookie drafts but to me i think calvin ridley not only comes with the experience uh, we've seen what he's capable of doing, and he comes with a with a really good offense. So I think that risk is worth the reward for me with with Calvin Ridley. But I might be the uh, the odd man out on this one. I feel. <laughs> Where you at there, uh, Armin? Well, you know what? I was. This is tough because I don't love that Kansas City landing spot actually for Johnston, um, because he's not really that receiver that I, I just don't see him working well in that system, you know, with the way they run things. Maybe when Kelsey retires, Quentin Johnson kind of takes over that 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 Kelsey role in the receiving game and where he gets his targets from, but um with the big body and whatnot. But um also I'm I'm not a huge believer in, in Ridley coming into Jacksonville there. He hasn't played in how long and then um Lawrence has great uh great connection with both receivers he's got there and zay jones and uh uh who's the other guy that he was passing to last year eric yeah kirk yeah with with christian kirk um although calvin ridley adds another dynamic to the offense that neither of those guys have but um you know what i am gonna lean johnston though for that upside and the potential with with Mahomes and KC, maybe, you know, they're they're clever there. They'll figure out a way to use their weapons if he's good. But if, if KC drafted him, his 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 draft stock is going to skyrocket. Like it'll remember what it did to Sky Moore last year? Like hit yeah. Sky Moore's literally went to the sky. Like it, it went crazy. And that's what's gonna happen with Quinn Johnson if he gets drafted by KC. So I guess it all depends on what you believe about Quinn Johnson pre-draft. You see, and that's the thing that always happens when guys get drafted to KC. They're like, oh, Mahomes, he's attached to Mahomes. He's attached to Mahomes. And McCall what Hartman. did Sky Moore do last year? What did McCall Hardman do who was also drafted <laughs> by them? Yeah. Like, it's it's tough to buy into guys that were actually drafted by KC as wide receivers. Like, because the guys that they bring in do well, like the free agents they sign. But, like, did they actually even draft Tyree Kill? I forget. This round, right? Yeah, he was he was late because surprise, surprise, domestic violence. Oh, okay. Wait. So the last the last good receiver they drafted was Tyree Kill. After that, it's kind of been guys that they sign as free agents who have made the impact. You know, this, so. this situation would be a little bit different though. Like where you go into the pre-draft rankings of like McCall Hardman and some other players, where they weren't as high up on boards. Even see, yeah. like he wasn't super high up on your running back. Most people's running back rankings, at least. And then he, they get the draft spot, and then they skyrocket up boards where Quentin Johnson for a lot of people is the number three receiver. Some people even number two receiver. So already having that pre-draft pedigree and then having the draft capital go with it, I think you would make it a little bit of a different situation where like McCall Hardman was so low on people's boards and then goes to Casey and then skyrockets. I think it's a little bit of a different situation, but at the same point, like how many times can you, uh, how many times can the boy cry wolf and it doesn't pan out, right? But I, I still think he skyrockets coming up to uh, the Super Bowl champion. So I'm you know what's you know, kind of funny is I said I'd take Johnston, but I argued against him. And you'd say you'd take Gridley and you argued for Johnston. <laughs> <laughs> Devil's advocate here. You know, we're yeah. on both sides. Uh, where are you at, Zach, with this one? I think you guys both brought up good points. And one of the reasons why I did pick Ridley is – he kind of mirrors Johnston in that he could be boomer bust. Like Armin said, having that year and a half off, not knowing what you're going to get out of Ridley. Um, but I think, I think I've seen enough out of receivers that profile similar to Johnston to know that it's uh it's a lot more uh, likely that it's a bust than a boom. So I would go with 
I'd go with Calvin, I think. Hey, there we go. That's another one in the old feather cap here. <laughs> Doesn't mean we're right, but at least we're majority. <laughs> um, I'm going to do my next one here. And, and I hemmed and hawed about putting Dawson Knox uh, in this one. He was uh, one of the first names that kind of popped in my mind. But uh, the name I actually, yes, you can think about it from either one. Whether you think about it as Dawson Knox or whether you think about it as um, Cole Komet, tight end from Chicago. Uh, in in draft rankings, um, Cole Komet, at least on the platform I'm on, and uh, Michael Mayer, they're back-to-back, where Dawson Knox is a little bit lower down but has a um, you know a, a, a better offensive situation in Buffalo where with the quarterback and the high-powered offense. So to, for this argument, I guess you can answer either Dawson Knox or Cole Komet. I, I'm fine with either one. Um, but I'm comparing Michael Mayer and Dawson Knox, like I said, or uh, you can you can pick Cole Komet as well. And I'm actually going to just pull back here because I'm trying to remember where I put Michael Mayer in the last one. I either had him going to Cincinnati or Green Bay. Um, either one would be a really good landing spot. Um, so, but for argument's sake, I'm just going to go back and find out exactly where I put him. I think it was uh, was to uh, Cincinnati. So uh, for argument's sake here, Michael Mayer going to Cincinnati. And uh, you can argue for uh, Cole Komet or you can argue for um, – uh Dawson Knox for this one let's start with uh let's go to Armin first okay um you know this one is really tough and especially at tight ends because it sometimes takes a little while for them to finally break out and I'm trying to think if like Dawson Knox it was last year his kind of breakout. Is he going to be a top-tier tight end for quite a few years now? Or is he just kind of going to fizzle here? And he's connected to a great quarterback, and they like to use him in the red zone a lot. But in the in the 20-20, to 20, um, they don't use him a whole ton. Um, but then you think about that's kind of similar with the, the Cincinnati Bengals if they take Michael Mayer. Um, I think... You got, I take the youth with this one. I think um, I like Michael Mayer um, a little bit better than, than Knox at this point. Uh, Knox doesn't really move the needle a whole lot for me, whereas Mayer, you have that that potential, and at least I think he's going to have a floor, the floor that Knox has. Zach, where are you going with this one? Yeah, this one's a fun one. Uh, I'm doing uh, Cole Komet instead of Knox. Um, both Mayer and Komet are Notre Dame boys, so that's fun. Um, if he, if you can guarantee Mayer goes to Cincinnati, then you really have my attention. Um, because Cole Komet is tied to Justin Fields, and Justin Fields inside the red zone, um, he's a weapon, but it's not uh, in the passing game; it's in the running game, and that makes it less enticing for Cole Komet in the red zone. Whereas I think Michael Mayer might make his hay in the red zone uh, in Cincinnati because uh, having watched Mayer play a lot uh, as a college player, um, that was one of his strong suits was uh, overpowering smaller, weaker competition. Uh, I will say though, I think Michael Mayer will be a significantly better um NFL tight end that he is a dynasty tight or a fantasy tight end rather um, because he isn't exceptionally athletic or uh, twitchy like some of the other guys um, that we'll see get drafted next week. So I guess for this exercise, I will take the, the potential upside of that pairing with him and Burrow over what we already know uh, is there between Komet and Fields. It's funny, there's, uh, as I was listening to what you both had to say, there's so many things that it was like, what I'm going to argue or what I have in my head is kind of like checking the box of what you guys had to say. And uh, what one of the things you said there, Zach, is that he's going to be better for NFL than he is for, for fantasy or for dynasty or whatever purpose you're talking. And it's funny, that's why a lot of people have Dalton Kincaid pegged ahead of Mike Mayer um, with that you know potential upside and that, that twitchiness. But um, the one thing that struck a chord with Armin and, and one of the checkboxes I think was important to me was the the hit rate of these tight ends coming right out of college into NFL. And it, and it does take a while. And that's something I thought was important that Armin mentions 
I think historically to myself back in some of my drafts where it's like, okay, I really like these, these, these tight ends. Greg Dolchich was a guy that I was really, really interested in last year. And, and he had some flashes, but uh, for the most part was not a guy that you could rely on in your starting lineup week in, week out. Uh, right now for, for, for argument purposes, he's, he's dynasty tight end nine, but is that where he's going to finish this season? It's like, what is, what is tight end nine really? Like, Tight end nine is an unreliable tight end in the grand scheme of things. If you're not in that top five uh, fantasy finishes in, t- in tight end, even even sometimes a fifth t- uh, tight end in your fantasy finishes is irrelevant, right? So um, it takes time for these these tight ends to come in and make a, make a splash. And sometimes they come in and, and nothing happens anyways. Like uh, I had a name in, like Noah Fant came in, had his kind of moment in the sun and kind of fizzled. Uh, you've got Irv Smith Jr., high hopes, nothing happened. You've got other names, Mike Kosecki, incredibly athletic, had his small moments under the sun. Now he's like tight end 36 in, in <laughs> dynasty, <laughs> dynasty prospects, right? Like it's it's hard to predict these tight ends. Even Kyle Pitts, this generational tight end that's going to break the world and and was sometimes drafted the 101 in these fantasy drafts has been incredibly disappointing. So as much as I have the high hopes that these really good landing spots are going to be successful for these players, it's hard for me just to jump all in, um, which is why it was kind of fun because these tight ends are like, okay, you know, seemingly a dime a dozen Cole commits you could get kind of later in your drafts, especially when you're looking at, um, you know, like uh, Dalton Schultz, maybe not so much. That might be a little bit of a different argument, but, uh, some of these other tight ends that were kind of in that realm, it's like, okay, Hemming and Hong, they're not premier tight ends, but this other tight end has that potential with that landing spot. So I, I for argument's sake, uh, I did go with Cole Komet for this one just because I know what I'm getting. I have some upside and, and there is seemingly a bit of a floor there, but it doesn't have that, you know, intriguingness of, of being uh, put in with a, with a quarterback that's done well with a, with a tight end. So that's a little bit, little bit from where I was going there, but. Uh, Armand, uh, you want to share your last one here? Yeah. Um, I went with, uh, Zach Charbonnet to the Ravens versus Brees Hall. And I thought this one would be interesting because we haven't seen Brees Hall post injury and it was a pretty brutal injury. So that's why I put Brees Hall in here. If Brees Hall is healthy, it makes it a lot easier. Zach, I feel like I'm just going to carbon copy what you have to say here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think this one's too too hard for me. Um, again, using keep trade cut, they have Brees Hall still with the injury as running back two in Dynasty. And even with a maybe a good landing spot with the with the Ravens, there's still J.K. Dobbins, who they have as a running back 16. And Charbonnet, Charbonnet is running back 19 on keep trade cut. So um, I I don't think uh, this would be would be close to close for me. Um, again, like I said earlier, Hall is he's going to be one of those running backs where he's going to get the 20 touches a game. And if uh, Charbonnet would end up on the Ravens. I think those two Dobbins and him would, would kind of cannibalize each other and they would take away from one another uh, for fantasy at least. Uh, and that would really lessen your chance for, for volume. So I am sticking with Brees Hall. I uh, I'm yeah. Brees, Brees Hall, even coming off the injury, I think it's worth the risk. Like it wasn't a Javante Williams type injury. And I, I really like Zach Charbonnet. We talked about it last episode. I'm going to talk about him at the end of the episode here, a little bit of foreshadowing, but uh, I like him a lot, but Brees Hall is very, very good. And what we saw pre-injury was incredibly explosive and massive for fantasy football. Uh, and it was just so, uh, if, if I remember correctly, Armin, quote me if I'm wrong or correct me if I'm wrong. It was a clear, a clean ACL tear, right? Nothing extra on top. Of that it was just a clean ACL tear. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've seen a lot of running backs come back healthy, maybe the year after it's a little bit of the, you know, not as great. There's a bit of recovery period and, and getting, and getting back to that, that, um, that top end, but that doesn't take away from what Brees Hall is going to do dynasty wise. And one, one bad year doesn't subtract the, the, the remainder of his career. So 
Um, for a lot of the same reasons that Zach was talking about, I, I think this is a this is a Brees Hall one for me too. Is that where you were going, same Marmon? Yeah, pretty similar. Yeah, I I have Charbonnet to the Ravens as like the guy in the Ravens. I like his fit with the that team. So I think it's a bit closer for me because I'm a little bit off Dobbins. And you look at when Ingram put up his huge year with with the Ravens and his style of running that season. Um, it was closer to what Charbonnet does than what Dobbins does. So that's uh that's where I was kind of going with it. But I, I would still have Brees Hall um taking it just a little bit tighter than what you guys necessarily have it as. And put Charbonnet to the Bengals and let's just go run wild. <laughs> like Dixon's gonna go hell even take him you put him in like Minnesota too like there's so many fun landing spots that Charbonnet can go and it just like for me if he goes to the Bengals I am just gonna be I, I don't even have a rookie pick in the first round I just traded I wasn't even close but I would be going balls to the wall to try and get Charbonnet if he ends up with the Bengals I think that'd be a lot of fun um I'm gonna do one last one here because I have two positions we have a few extras here in our docket and I'll make sure to go put those out in our social media. So, so everybody at home too can kind of follow along and have some fun. So we got, uh, we got quite a few more we could talk about obviously, but we don't want to have a two hour episode. So uh, the last one I got here, it's a little bit of uh, you know, kind of a, I don't know, an outside, not necessarily the, the cream of the crop one, but something that's maybe risk reward or, or something you could take maybe later on in, in your draft versus what you currently already possess. Uh, and I'm going back to the quarterback position. And this one is uh, Hendon Hooker. You go back to uh, last episode, we talked about Hendon Hooker a little bit coming out of Tennessee, older prospect, but uh, got injured later in the year. Uh, if it wasn't for the injury, he would have been in this mix of, you know, the top top five pick, in my opinion, of uh, where we're going with a lot of these other quarterback prospects. Uh, but Hendon Hooker coming off the injury and landing spot, obviously TBD. But the one I talked about last time was the Detroit Lions. That was one that I thought would be really, really fun, especially with coming off of the Jared Goff contract. It saves them a ton of cap getting out of the contract next season. Um, and Hendon Hooker taking the full year of recovery. I think that'd be a lot of fun uh, if he ended up there. Uh, and I put a few different quarterbacks in the spot because they're all quarterbacks that kind of are in the same realm. Um, Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo are kind of the similar quarterbacks where they're good, not great. Um, kind of get you through maybe really good QB twos in a super flex. And then Matthew Stafford, who's we seem to be really, really good um, in, in fantasy, but he's starting to regress obviously due to injuries and missing time. And his future is very much in question, uh, especially for dynasty to be very concerning on how many more years does Matthew Stafford have to play with this uh, chronic neck injury. So uh, a few different names out there. I don't know, maybe you want to go for the upside of Stafford. You want to go to stability of Garoppolo or the, you know, the unknown of Derek Carr in a new offense, or would you take that shot on a Hendon hooker who is very, very athletic, uh, makes some incredible throws and, um, and also has that Russian platform capability. So uh, we'll start this one with Zach. Zach, where would you be going with this one? When I saw this pop up in the docket today, I felt like uh, Kevin McAllister when he was in Buzz's bedroom and just, Oh, Whoa. <laughs> Um, like we're talking Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford. Oh boy. Um, yeah, I got, I got nothing insightful here to say. Uh, those guys are, are really good uh, backup quarterbacks in, in a standard uh, 10 to 12 team league. Here, I'll change. Uh, how, about Russell don't wanna... how about Russell Wilson? Like I said, those guys are really good quarterback twos in the twelve-team league. Um, I don't think you want to be. I don't think you want to be going into this year with with any of those four as as a starter. Um, but you'd be really happy to have them as your as your quarterback two. Uh, all those guys are great quarterback twos in a super flex league. So if this is a one quarterback league, give me Hendon Hooker. Uh, because of that, you know, that possible upside that he possesses. If it's a two quarterback league for this year, especially uh, give me any of those other four and they'll just kind of be steady Eddie in that quarterback two role. Is that kind of where you're at Armin or do you have anything a little bit different? Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that too. Um, 
I, I might have a little bit more faith in Russell Wilson yet at this point, but uh, also with his age, it, it would make me still lean towards Hendon Hooker. But um, yeah, pretty pretty well the same. There's there's not a lot of like I wouldn't say faith, but you're looking at Hendon Hooker and oh excuse me, I'm uh, looking at Hendon Hooker and his rankings and all these different platforms. And obviously, it's gonna vary whether it's super flex or whether it's regular. But the reality is it's not going to differ that much. Like he's borderline left or dead. Like this one, it's in a, in a single quarterback league, uh, but he's like the prospect number 30 uh, right around Darnell Washington. Uh, you know, the, the super massive, crazy, um, you know, athletic Georgia tight end um, around borderline not drafted in some leagues, depending on the size of your league and how many rookie draft picks you have. But he's a guy that I think is definitely worth the risk of, especially if you have a taxi squad, throw that late third or mid third or fourth round pick or whatever on them and throw them on your taxi squad because who knows, who knows what happens. You know, we've seen, and obviously draft capital matters in the situation too, but Lamar Jackson taken in the, was it the 30th or 32nd pick overall? And uh, there's a lot of question marks him, but he had that rushing upside, um, very athletic. And, and we've seen what's, what ends up happening because, He's turned out to be quite a very good dynasty asset for a lot of people. So like I said, we'll, we'll add a lot more of these on our social media. It's a lot more, it's a lot of fun to see the comments that come in there too. And some of the messages we get to and the, on the thoughts of uh, maybe some of the prospects, but we'll, we'll add those in there too. But uh, before we wrap this one up, we got one last, uh, one last segment here. You're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. I'm on fire. So this one's my turn and uh, we it's kind of continuing on a little bit of what we had last week and foreshadowing a little bit of the upcoming NFL draft next week. So uh, I'm talking about Zach Charbonnet and uh, Armin and I talked a little bit about him last week where we had the two A two B situation. There's a clear divide between obviously Bijan Robinson down to these two and then underneath there, there's the there's the four, five, six and so on and so forth. It seems like another tier. Um, I really like Zach Charbonnet. I have him as the 2A and Gibbs as the 2B. Um, so my argument is that uh, Zach Charbonnet, without knowing uh, draft capital, obviously if he is a if he's a late day three draft capital, this is going to be um, just dead in the water. But I see Zach Charbonnet finishing as the number two fantasy RB for the uh, upcoming rookie rookie draft. And for you listening at home saying, oh, well, you have him as the number two rookie prospect from the running backs, uh, that seems like it should happen. But there's always the, you know, the underlies, the Elijah Mitchells, the the random RBs that that come into the NFL and have outstanding situations and, and massive production out of complete right field. Those happen all the time. So just because I have him rated as the number two is doesn't mean it's a slam dunk that he finishes the number two. But what makes this a little bit more interesting is not only do I have him as the number two rookie fantasy producer in the running back position this upcoming season, I have him substantially closer to the number one RB than I do the number three. And what I mean is he's going to be a lot closer to, in my mind, is obviously Bijan Robinson in fantasy points than he will be the number three on whoever it is, whether it be Jamir Gibbs or, or whatever running back we throw in there that in that top three, that number two, who's Zach Charbonnet, he's going to be substantially closer to Bijan than he will be to that number three. So kind of really minimizing that tier gap, in my mind, closer to Bijan than he would be anybody else. So uh, easy to say if I have him my number two, but this one, this one is one that can go completely to crap if he's like a fifth round pick that goes to who, who knows new england you know some gets buried down in a roster somewhere that's a kind of a worth a rock throw but there's not a lot of reliability or or you know um, or faith i guess in a fifth round pick but where uh what are you thinking with this one arm and i know i know you're kind of on the charbonnet side but it's uh the risk is where we're throwing charbonnet in the comparisons of Bijan robinson yeah, that is uh pretty risky to say that, especially like Bijan's gonna be probably drafted to be the starter on whatever team he's on, whereas Charbonnet might he might be drafted to compete as a starter, he could be drafted as a starter, or he might be drafted as a backup on whichever team he's drafted onto. And more as like a guy for next year. Um 
but uh, so that that's what makes it spicy with that 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 points gap is going to be closer to the Bijan. Um, I think it's definitely possible, definitely possible, but uh, I don't think it's uh, probable. I think that that two two three gap will be very similar to the one two gap. If it, if it wasn't the fact that Bijan Robinson is this generational draft pick, what would have made it spicy was I was going to say he was going to be the number one, but I just don't, I just really don't see it possible that that he yeah. had an injury. But I don't want to bank on injury, right? So, um, well, the the thing is though is like last year's draft class, honestly, Charbonnet would have been number three for me behind Hall and Kenneth Walker. Yeah. So there's that to think about as well. Yeah, makes things a little bit interesting. Um, wrapping this thing up here, uh, I guess we have uh, episode eighty-five. Just just wrapping up here. Um, well, like I guess we'll add some more stuff onto the social medias there to uh, that you guys can kind of uh, determine in your own minds whether it's going to be the rookies or the vets in this upcoming rookie draft. And, and as the landing spots happen, it's going to get uh, it's going to get fun. So uh, I guess that'll do it for episode eighty-five. On behalf of myself. Armin and Zach, thank you very much for listening to the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, enjoy the draft. I know I'm going to be enjoying the draft. I don't know if it's going to be from uh, a really uncomfortable hospital chair or if it's going to be in the comfort of my basement, TBD on that. <laughs> but I'm really going to enjoy the uh, the draft and hope you guys do too. So thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. We'll talk soon.